0: What I want to talk about today is probably one of the most quoted verses in the Bible that I know of that I hear more often um, on social media or on people's walls or in Hobby Lobby or everywhere, but um, it's, a, it's a verse that, as many verses, I feel like I spend half my time unlearning a lot of stuff that I learned early on in church. Um, it's one of those verses that's taken out of context a lot, and uh, I hope, hope to clarify some things and maybe take some weight off of you today to maybe free us up a little bit. Um, So that's my hope, and uh, I know it did for me when I dug a little bit deeper and and recognized what it was really talking about here. I mean, it comes from Philippians 4. You probably already know it. The the key verse is Philippians 4:13, but I want to start in 11 because it makes a lot more sense if you start in 11. Um, This is Paul speaking. uh, Philippians 4:11. It says, "I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty." I've learned the secret of being content. And let's we'll stop right there for a moment. Paul is saying, and this is a, a, about as, clo- as close to the Greek as you can get it, it really is a deep understanding of what it is to mean co- to be content. And Paul's saying he's found it here. And so this is very important. I think we overlook this a lot when we run through Scripture and, and seeing contentment. Um, it says, I found the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things. Everybody? Through Christ strengthens me, right? Where have you seen that? Everywhere? Hobby Lobby. <laughs> seen it at Hobby Lobby. Um, <clears throat> there was an athlete. I don't remember who it was because I don't really get into sports. But there's an athlete that I think made a whole clothing line and, it, and even like shoes and shirts and everything. And it says, but they didn't put the tail end on it. They just put, I can do all things. And I find that interesting. And whether it's just to be politically correct or, you know, regardless, I find that that's the way most... Most of us, or me personally, I know that's the way I read it for years, is I have this thing that I need to do or overcome, and basically the emphasis was on that thing or on me, and it wasn't really on the second part, which is in Christ. And I say that because most of the time that I hear this verse quoted, it's for those things as, and with good intentions, it's as an encouragement, and I'm telling you, it makes a good motivational speech, and I'd love to get up here and just get you all riled up about, you can do all these things, you can do all these things, you can do all these things, but the truth of the matter is, the second part is so paramount there. The second part is what's the most important thing of this whole verse. The verses before it really help clarify things, especially in the context of where Paul finds himself in lots of situations. (laughs) If you don't know Paul's story, he finds himself in prison. He finds himself underground, literally in sewage. And he writes this in the midst of all those things and says, you know what, I've had plenty, I've had nothing. I've been poor, I've been wealthy, I've been hungry, I've been starving. Um, He's been basically the pinnacle of, of his religious experience he was you know he had all these credentials you know what I mean he was the best of the best and then he persecuted the church and then he turned around and now he finds himself at a complete loss without Christ and so I think it's so important that we see the context of this verse to know that it's not the emphasis should not be placed on the first part about what we can do but it's about Christ who actually strengthens strengthens us to function at all it's the very source that we find everything that we do it's the life that we have What I've seen too many times, and specifically in churches is what breaks my heart more than not, um, is we find this this idea of discontentment in the church, and then it bleeds into every other facet of our lives. And it's a very dangerous thing, I think, and I think that especially, let's back up just a hair. When we say discontent, um, I think we've kind of translated that word into being complacent. You know, or, or, or if you're content, you're complacent, which is, the, is not what that means. The same way we've kind of translated the word meekness into weakness, that's not what that word means at all. Meekness, as we've talked about before, is great power under control. It's the ability to keep the sword in the sheath. It's not saying you don't have power, it's saying you have the ability to control that power. Meekness is not weakness in the same way, contentment is not apathy, or contentment is not complacency. So we need to, we need to establish that before we can get any further in this, okay? When I say contentment, I'm not saying you're just fine, whatever can happen can happen. That's not what contentment is, and that's not what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about something much deeper when he says this is a secret, this is a, this is a treasure that I found, this is a truth that, that changes me. He's saying I found this, this contentment that is beyond all of my circumstances, that is beyond the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. I found contentment in the middle of the worst things that could, that could be. Even in the best things, I found contentment where? In Christ. Unfortunately, I have seen, I don't know if you've seen this, I've seen a lot of people discontent in church, and what that, what I found is that bleeds over into, into family and life and in other areas, and I think that if you are spiritually uncontent, that it will bleed into your life and you'll be you'll be discontent in life as well. If we allow this sort of discontent to be birthed in the church, how do you think it will affect us every day in our lives? And I'll tell you. <laughs> I've heard it, um, and I've, I've probably said it myself, if I could do this, then this. If I could have a better job, I would be content. Or we would say I would be content if you know I had a, a different, you know, if, if I lost a certain amount of weight, I would be content. Or if I had a different spouse, I would be content. Or if I had whatever it is, you fill in the blanks. If this, then I will be content. The problem with that is you're basing your contentment on a, shake, a very shakable kingdom. You're, you're basing your contentment on what the world has to offer. And I'm telling you, that is an absolute nightmare to try to live out. The thing that, that a lot of us traded when we came to church and kind of got caught up in religion instead of a relationship was we traded this discontent with the world for this discontent with God. I mean, it's, it's hard to even say that, at, but that's really the way we felt, or me personally, I won't speak for you, but the way I felt was man, I wanted something, and now I feel like I've got it, but then I was still trying to get on that treadmill and, and try, to, try to work and try to work and try to work try to get something more. And I'm sure we've got a very diverse church, which is awesome, with lots of different backgrounds and different denominations and different things. And for me, the denomination I, went, I was in would, would always try to, quote-unquote, press in or try to try to gain something more. Um, and what that, what that bred into was this almost a discontentment with Jesus. <laughs> it was like Jesus wasn't enough. I needed, I needed to figure something else out, or I need, there was something else that I needed to do so that I could get something else. And I think that's a very dangerous thing for us in the church, that we would find ourselves discontent with Christ. And I don't, I don't say that lightly. <laughs> I, think that's a, I think that's a very serious thing if we find ourselves discontent with Christ, thinking that there's something else that we can gain from him or other than him is a better way to put it. So if we buy this lie, then we we genuinely reach outside the fullness of Jesus and operate from a place of lack, from a deficit. And there's absolutely no way that we can reconcile having Christ in us and being in a deficit. It just doesn't work. All of the fullness is in Christ, and where is Christ? In the believer. The problem we find when we start having these struggles where we think that we've got to give something of ourselves and have this big sacrifice and we come up and we want to sacrifice more and we want to do more and we want to give up more is we take the emphasis off of Christ and we put it back on ourselves. The same thing we find when, when you try to drive and you stare at the ditch the whole time, eventually you're going to end up in the ditch. We do the same thing with sin. You focus on sin the whole time, eventually you're going to end up in sin because that's all you're thinking about. It's all you're focused on. It doesn't mean sin doesn't exist. doesn't mean ditches aren't there. It means that there's much more to this life than just trying to avoid and being cautious and not mess up. God has created a much more beautiful life for you right now than just staring at all of your issues and your problems. I hope to be, and I hope to lead you guys in as much as I can, so, to be so focused on Jesus that sin becomes more and more of a non-issue in your life because you have something so much better. This idea of begging God for things and trying to work from a deficit breeds that same thing we talked about last, last week about this this idea of, of just wanting to escape this world and get out of here. Like It's like we have to justify this this discontentment that we have with Christ, so we say, okay, well, it's all going to be better when I die and go to heaven. Well, yeah, it will. That's kind of a given, but what about now? What I find in this, this idea of operating from a deficit and trying to beg God for something, I find that to be... Genuinely anti-Christ because what Christ died for was so that you could have all these things. The deposit he gave us was not something that we would have to strive for. His, his word says to strive to what? Enter into his rest. When we strive, we enter into what Christ did for us, not what we could do for ourselves. Once again, this is not something that leads us to apathy. Listen, if you don't get excited about what Christ did for you, I don't have anything else for you. If there's something that, that if there was a book I could write, if there was some program I could give you <laughs> that could change your perspective of who God is, I would give it to you. But I'm telling you, there's nothing greater than the Holy Spirit. There's nothing greater than knowing who Jesus is and having a personal relationship with him that will ever change your life for any, any, any period of time. Or, or, let me back up. Any, any man-made version that I could give you of seeking out God would fall short at some point because what's in your heart is going to come out. In other words, if I created some boundaries for you or anybody, and for whatever reason the the my accountability was lifted or the threat of punishment was lifted, you're going to do what you want to do. I mean, it's the fact that it's just how we are. The problem is not a behavioral issue, it's a heart issue. The problem is not a law issue, it's a grace issue. It's understanding that Christ did this for us so we have a place to live from, not towards. If you ask the average pastor today what the what, a, what What's a great problem in the American church? He would probably list a series of sins, and you can fill in the blanks of what those those would be. But I want to tell you, this is what Paul would say. Paul would say, I'm afraid that you would stop making Christ simple. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, but I fear, and this is Paul saying that he fears this, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. But what I fear lest someone as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. 2 Corinthians eleven three. 3 verse 4 it says for if he, he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received or put a different gospel which you have not accepted you may well have put up with it. Yeah. <laughs> For the
1: folks at home. Well, no. I have no one else. No, I'm kidding. Um, it, I just thought, like, it's cool. Like, well, not cool. It's bad. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that, and now you're sitting here. Yikes. I'm sorry. Distracted. No, no, no. Sit, sit, sit down, sit down, sit down. He, he was staring at me. Stop it. Now watch you criticizing me. Um, it's interesting that the serpent deceived, like, I mean, he's talking about, you've got this relationship with Christ, and so don't, don't be, don't be like, don't let people tell you, well, is it really just this? Or can't, don't you need this and this? And I think this was like Judaizers or something in this context or somebody, but um, it's interesting in the, in Genesis they had a simple relationship with God already mm-hmm. and he was just, just, do you really, is this really all that, you're, you know, is, isn't there something that you need on top of this? And it's, I need something else, right? It's interesting you use that as an example because I've never put that together. Mm-hmm. It's They had a simple relationship with God and then he came along and said, don't you need something more? And then now we have restored a relationship with God, and, and, and you know He's coming along and saying, "Don't you need something more?" It's right. The same story.
0: It gives me chills thinking about it because it is that. It is powerful because that was the deception that was given to Eve: was, do you really, do you really know Him? Do you, or, or do you really have a relationship? Do you trust Him as Father? No, you need something else. There's something else that you need. Are you really like God? Right. <laughs> well, so it, it's almost like, and again, I never th- looked at it this way, but. From the beginning, we were designed to have a simple relationship with God. And, you, and when you see when you see Paul's ministry, and I mean, I mean, he was the father of those churches. He, he and he even says that he says I'm not just like a pastor to you; I'm a father to you guys. He cared for them, and he cared so much for them that he said, "Look, my fear is that you guys try to try to find something else other than Christ. That you that you try to figure something else out on your own and create something else separate from Christ." And that was his fear, and I think that, to me, especially on the on the tail end of understanding what Paul was saying about contentment, is if you if you try to if you try to justify your life by anything but Christ, uh, you're gonna, you're genuinely stepping into heresy. Like you're stepping into something that is is the the scripture about any other way. You remember we talked about that before. Any other way, when when, and that's another one that's taken way out of context. That they say that the. The thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy is the devil. It's not. In the context of that scripture, the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy is any other way. If you read that whole scripture all the way through, what he's talking about is um, any other way but Christ will steal, kill, and destroy. Any other way that you try to find contentment will leave you <laughs> stolen from, um, dead, and destroyed. Any other way but Christ is poop. Right? And he even says, I say I didn't just jokingly say poop, he actually says it's like dumb. I always say that. Anyway, First First uh, Timothy 6.3 says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ and to the godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies. Listen to this. I don't know if you've experienced this. I haven't experienced it much here. I've experienced it in the past. But listen to these words. Um, Verse 4, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people. Of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. Let me read that again. Verse 4, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant frictions between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means of gain. From such things withdraw, withdraw yourself. In my experience... I found lots in the church, and I'm not trying to beat up the church because the church is awesome. I love the big C church. I love the community that we have, not just in our church but other churches. But in my experience, early on in life, I saw lots of this in church, a lot of backbiting and talking, uh, people trying to outdo each other and be more spiritual and be more holy. And and, and we turned this, this brokenness that we turned into spirituality, that how many times could we just give of ourselves and fast and pray and, and sacrifice and come up and confess more sins and get saved over and over again. And whatever flavor of religion you come from, we, we made it this, this, this spirituality that was just brokenness that just we would backbite and be malicious and break down relationships in the name of God. How, how do we do that? How do we miss the mark of the simplicity of Christ? How do, we, how do we get past that? And for whatever reason, many of us, if you were like me, jumped on board like, man, I want it too. Let's, I'm going to do this, and it's all, it, it was all about me. It was all about how much I could do and how much I could get from God. Listen, God is the giver of all gifts, and he will give you more than you can handle. I promise you. But that's not your goal. The restored relationship has already been met, and from that place, you will begin to manifest the very, the very things of the kingdom in your life. This idea that we, we have to continually look for something outside of Christ. Is, is it, it ends up exactly like this talks about, as though godliness is a means of gain. Now, what does he say at the very next verse? This is amazing. But godliness with what? Contentment is great gain. What's the difference there? He says, Godliness that, that you've been robbed of the truth and you think that godliness is a means of gain? There's a, there's a one big word there, and it's contentment. What he's saying is, you don't get more and more godly. It's not like you have this gradual ladder that you climb and you get more and more holy. And that, that, that's a sense of gain. What he's saying is when you find the contentment in Christ, when you find, when you find your, your life, just like the Bible tells us, hidden in Christ and his life hidden in you, and you're content, then you have great gain because nothing else can affect you that's around you. When you, when you recognize that, you recognize that that is, that is not just a means to an end, right? It's not just like, I'm going to do this, so that. That's old covenant thinking. New covenant thinking is, he did, he declared, so I am. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Jesus demonstrated this for his whole life. At 12 years old, he was in the, he was teaching doctors and lawyers, and, and his parents were like, what are you doing? We lost you, you're driving us crazy. And he was like, I've got to be about my father's business. At 12 years old, some 20 years later, what did he do in that amount of time? He walked past people that needed healing. He walked past people that needed bread. He did lots of things in that time that, that we wouldn't think is great, right? I say that because Jesus gives us a good example of what it's what it's like to only be concerned about his father's opinion of him and not the opinions of man trying to prove himself. What I described there about people being malicious and having evil suspicions and being friction and causing problems in relationships, that's what happens when you're not confident in who you are in Christ because you're trying to manipulate your circumstances to fit what you think you need. And that is outside of the will of God and outside of, of an understanding of who God is and that that you can trust Him to take care of your every need. It's the same reason we sin. We try to shortcut the Holy Spirit and say, I don't want to wait until marriage. I'm gonna go have sex on my own. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait to um to to be drunk in the Spirit. I'm just gonna go get lit myself. I'm not I'm not gonna I don't trust that the Father has something good for me, so I'm gonna shortcut and do it myself it's the idea that we have to have this perfect scenario and i i i made a statement on facebook the other day and i stand by this too if you 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 are a christian environment i hear people say that all the time i want you know i want to be in a christian environment i want to work in a christian environment listen you are a christian environment that outside of a relationship with jesus that doesn't exist stop looking you are it you're not you're you don't have to find this perfect scenario where where you can flourish as a Christian, if, if Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, lives in you and the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you, you've got a lot to offer. You change, you change the culture, the culture doesn't change you and you don't have anything to prove. Jesus had a pretty brief ministry in the grand scheme of things. It was like three years, right? He did a lot of things but in those three years. But every time he was put to the test and, and someone tried to prove, try to make him prove himself, what did he do? I don't need to prove myself. He was never in a Christian environment. <laughs> he was. He was always in a Christian environment, right? He was a Christian environment. Jesus was the prototype. That's what, he, that's what he's called. Jesus was the prototype. Why? Because Jesus was the example that we need to see because we're human. We need to see it. We need to see that God and man could dwell together on earth, not just past the ceiling tile when you get to heaven. Jesus was the prototype to show us that the, the relationship was restored. I've used an example before where I drop a book, and I have Tracy or somebody, I'm not going to embarrass anybody today, have them come up and place it somewhere else, right? I'll drop a book, say I dropped a book down here, and I say, well, replace, or, or restore that. And say you put it over there, you put it up on a different table. That's not restoration. Restoration is putting it back where it was. What Jesus did, he reversed the curse from the fall. When we're restored, we're restored. He wasn't playing around. Amen. Like, he didn't go through all this trouble. Once again, I say this all the time, he didn't go through all this trouble of dying for your sins, raising from the dead, and sending his Holy Spirit to make this thing complicated. That's not what a good father does. Like, all right, now you got to jump through all these hoops so that you know me and that you, gotta, you, you, you you receive me in fullness. No, if you have Christ, you have fullness. Now, it'll take the rest of your life to renew your mind to that truth. And I'm not saying that there's, that there's not more that you're going to experience. By God, there is so much more. on oh, God, that's what the kids, they have been. <laughs> I've been making fun of my my kids and every other kid, too, about some of the sayings they say, and they say, on on God, like, on God, this, bet, bet, I don't know. And my friend was saying, I I need to find a meme making fun of it. I was like, you can't find a meme making fun of it because the kids make the memes, and that's their their terminology. (laughs) Bet, on God, I didn't say in God, in God. Oh, man, I'm ridiculous. All right, on God, that's true, (laughs) that's true, you are ridiculous. All right. We know that. All right. We're okay with it. All right. Uh, (laughs) uh, So many things are going through my head right now. Yeah. Um, Jesus' brief ministry, multiple times he turns away from the crowd to go spend time with his father. He demonstrates his absolute contentment in God over finding his value in his accomplishments. He He did that as an example. And the reason why we need to see that he wasn't just he wasn't 50-50, he was 100% God, 100% man, is when he, if he was just God, then we could step back and say, oh, cool, he could do that stuff. But but no, he wasn't. He was man. He was son of man. <laughs> he said it over and over again. I've come so that you can see. Now, what that does is it creates this, this little this little tick in us that says, if he could, then we can. That's why he says, even greater things you will do. And what he means, what he means by that is he was... He was God and man in one place and one time, and now the Holy Spirit is spread out amongst all these people. Greater things. It says, it's better that I leave. Why? So that I can send you my Holy Spirit. So greater things is amazing because we've got all these Christian environments running around here, <laughs> creating Christian environments around them. Anyway, bringing the kingdom everywhere they go. Listen, he wasn't caught up in all of his accomplishments. He found his value in the Lord all the time. I'm not the best at that, I'll be honest. I do find at times that I find my value in how funny I am or how smart I am or, or any of these things you can fill in the blank, whatever it is. I, I fail in some of those areas, but I'm telling you the, the contentment that Paul found is the contentment that I go back to every time is that it's Christ that does this, not me. And from that place, then I can, I, can, I can hold my shoulders back and I can stand up proud and I can stand up honored to be a part of what God's doing on the earth, not what I can figure out. Um, our level of discontentment is often dictated by what we look around and see in the world. Don't be distracted. There's lots of screwed up stuff going on around right now. Don't be distracted. Listen, I've heard conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory about what's about to happen. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, but I'm not going to be distracted by that because all of that is an unshakable kingdom anyway. I'm not saying don't get involved. You do what you need to do and you Let your conscience be your guide in some of those areas in this kingdom, and we have to operate in some areas with your job and different areas like that. But I'm telling you, don't hold on to that stuff as though it's going to last because it's not, none of it will. So be careful letting what you see dictate uh, your contentment. New Covenant Christianity leaves no room for an Old Covenant Jesus, an Old Covenant that Jesus fulfilled and that you weren't even invited into anyway. (laughs) What I found, another thing that I found when I first started going to church is there was a lot of old covenant mentality that was placed on top of a lot of law that was mixed with grace. One of the verses that gets quoted a ton, another one that I hope to help you with is, if my people, right, you guys know that's one of my pet peeves, if my people will, what, turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves, seek my face, I will, what, I will forgive their sin and I'll heal their land that's old covenant that was a covenant that you weren't you and I weren't we're gentiles we weren't even invited in that covenant not to mention that that covenant was fulfilled when Jesus came and issued and ushered in the new covenant let me show you what the new covenant says and if, if this doesn't create a holy contentment and a and a and a desire for you to live out this Christ life right now i don't know what will when we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly very rarely will will anyone die for a righteous person Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's new covenant. That's not fair. That's illogical. Listen, old covenant was if you do this, I'll do that. That's God to us. New covenant is I did this, so live. Live your life. I gave you life, live it. Stop trying to earn something that you've already got. Take it in all of its fullness and live it out. Let it manifest in your life day by day, moment by moment. See it for what it is. You're not a human doing, you're a human being. (laughs) Be who God created you to be, and everything else will come from that place. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness, And be content with what you have. That could change all of our lives right now. Be content with what you have. Because God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Every other place you try to find contentment will leave you and forsake you. Listen, if you find contentment in the perfect body, it will leave you and forsake you. Is done gone that sucker forsaked me forsook forsook to me forsook that is gone if you find it in your intellect or, or your ability to outsmart someone look you may get to a place where you start forgetting stuff when you get older that'll leave you and forsake you you may for, start to forget stuff now like me listen, if you, if you find your contentment in money, <laughs> the stock market cracks me up right now. If you find your contentment in money, look, some, some kids on Reddit, huh? GameStop, GameStop right? <laughs> look, don't find your contentment in money. That's, that stuff comes and goes. <laughs> it comes and goes quickly sometimes. It's funny when all this started, a friend of mine... Uh, got into well, when COVID started, there were lots of stocks and stuff you could buy. And I don't know anything about stocks. And he was like, "You need to get this Robinhood app, and you need to get this stuff, and you start doing this. I'm going to make some money and everything." And I was like, "Cool." And I downloaded it, and it was complicated. And I was like, "I don't know what I'm doing. I'm staying in my lane. I'm just going to like buy and sell Jeeps because I know what I can do there." But good luck with that. And he would text me, and this was several weeks and months. Oh, I made this much money. He was up to like eight hundred, a thousand dollars. And I was like, "Cool, man. I'm awesome. That's great." And he was like, "Are you doing?" It? I was like, "No, I'm not. I don't know what I'm doing." And I'm not going to gamble with money. I don't know. I'm, it's not a sure enough thing for me. I'm, I'm just, I don't know enough about it. And sure enough, like, and I feel bad for him, but like a few weeks later, he lost it all. <laughs> he was like $12. And he was like, I had to sell everything really quick. Because he really didn't know as much either. But, and he, and he spent a lot of time and effort studying, trying to figure it out. And I'm like, man, I'm glad I didn't do that <laughs> to get be $12. I could do that on my own. <laughs> I'm pretty good at being negative $12. Try it again. (laughs) Try. Hang on, I got another one. Try this one. I'm just kidding. But seriously, all right. (laughs) I don't need that to be negative $12. All right. A contentment from law will only change a person's behavior for a season. We talked about it earlier. Accountability partners, rules, regulations, programs will only affect a person's behavior for a season. Controlling and manipulation will come from law, and it will only lead to death eventually if you just chase it to its end. I don't have time to go all the way to it, but I'm telling you, we talked about last week the difference between dualism and Gnosticism, different things like that. There's these levels that nobody can tell you what they are to reach enlightenment, at what point. Same thing if we, we tried to pull the Old Covenant into this New Covenant. Well, how much of the country needs to humble themselves and seek? Give me a number. Give, let's quantify this. If we're going to jump out of this New Covenant that's infinitely better than the Old Covenant, and we're going to jump into the Old Covenant, you better give me something. That ain't, it's not enough for me to go to. <laughs> it doesn't exist anyway. But even if it was, you better give me a level that I need to reach because I don't know how far we need to go. I need to know how many people we need to get to humble themselves before God will bless. Man, that'll preach. You, where are you blessed? Where are we blessed? In Christ. Where is Christ? In us. Golly. Golly. Many of us, I, I, the question that comes to mind, why are we, Why do we feel discontent? Because I do as well as you do. I'm not saying that I'm perfect and nobody feels discontent. We feel discontent. Why do we feel discontent? I believe many of us feel discontent with Christ because we have never been told that Christ is content with us. Has anyone ever told you that God is okay with you, that you are okay with God, that God loves you, regardless of your failings? Has anyone ever told you that? Sometimes we miss that, and, and we have We can't give what we don't have. I've said before, you can't can't give away $1,000 if you don't have $1,000 in your pocket. If you have negative $12, you can't give away (laughs) $1,000. Which we'll preach, it's working from a deficit, right? You can't work from a deficit. I can't give you something I don't have. So if you say, well, I feel discontent. Well, know that maybe the reason you feel discontent is because you think that God is discontent with you and he's not. How could you reconcile people to God if you don't think you're reconciled? You'd be leading them into the same cycles that you've fallen into as far as trying to find something outside of Christ. Christ is in you the hope of glory. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. As he is, so are you in this world. He will never leave you or forsake you. All those are really good verses that we need to understand. All help us see that you're not working from a deficit. You you work from fullness. Christ is fool in every way. Mike. Microphone. You're not Mike. We just need a microphone. (laughs) Nick. Nick. Nicholas. Nick phone? Yes, now Mike. (laughs) Mike? Nick. Mike? My dad is Mike. I'm not. No, you
1: said you cannot give somebody else your deficit, but you can give it to God. Right. And he can work a miracle out of that.
0: Right. So we start, well, that's a good point, too. And if we want to rewind all the way back to salvation, too, we do come at a very great deficit. But I think it's from that place recognizing day to day, once we receive Christ, that there's not this, and, I, and I've heard this taught before, and I think this is very dangerous, too, that there's this, i got to be careful here how I say this, too. Like, there's this process of this ongoing, um, like, you, you get more and more holy or this ongoing sanctification that we have. And the truth is, you are already sanctified in Christ. Um, the, the scripture that, that helps us understand this better is, um, oh, I think it's, I will not be, uh, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What it does not say, let's see what it does not say before we see what it says. Do not be conformed to this world, but you know, pray more, fast more, seek more. It doesn't say that. It says renew your mind. What, is it, what are we renewing our mind to? What's happened in our hearts? That the the thing that we feel that, that feels like maybe an ongoing sanctification is a renewing of your mind to the truth of what God has deposited in your hearts. I always equate it just because it's easier for me to understand, and hopefully you too, is hardware and software and a computer. You buy a computer, it needs to be updated immediately. The hard, you it's like buying a computer, <laughs> buying, you know, God's heart is is just, you trade your wicked heart for his pure one, and that's the hardware, and that never changes. And he says clearly, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll never I'll not leave you as orphans, I'll always be with you. Even if you go join yourself to a harlot, guess what? I'm in there, and now it's a Christian environment. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, you're not going to outrun God. You're not going to run away from him. He's always going to be there, and you're sealed there, and I truly believe that. Now, it will take you the rest of your life to renew your mind to that truth, and that's why we feel sometimes, we still feel like this old life where, like, we try to raise this dead life and say, well, I feel like this. Well, yeah, stop looking at this dead life. Stop looking at the ditch and look at the road, Look at this life that he's given us. So we're not conformed to the world, but we're transformed by the renewing of your mind. You don't need another heart change. You don't need to be saved again. You don't need to, to bring some sacrifice to the altar. Jesus is the sacrifice for you. You don't need to do anything except for receive what he has and find rest in that and then live from that place. He is source. He is your source. You live from him, not towards him anymore if you were born again. Yes, at one point we were opposed to God, but we're not anymore. We are now friends. We're heirs and co-heirs with Christ. Douglas? Can I call you Douglas? You may. All right. Uh,
1: I was just going to come back up to what Paul was saying about learning to be content. You can actually learn to be discontent, and you can share that with other people mm-hmm. and make them
0: discontent as well. Yep, yeah, that's true. You know what? I... I That reminds me of something I thought about a while back about the fruit, the difference in the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. In my head, because I I see things in, like, cartoons and pictures, I imagine fake fruit. Have you ever been to a house that has fake fruit and has, like, dust on it or it's got, like, fuzz or whatever they put on that stuff? I imagine eating that, and it's, like, probably like poison. I don't know if it would kill you, but it wouldn't taste good. No, it wouldn't be good. And that's what I equate to the difference of of the fruits. It doesn't matter how good the fruit looks. If you're giving people fruit from the wrong tree, or like you're saying, if you eat from that fruit and then you're sharing it with other people, you're sharing just junk, garbage, possibly poison, toxic things. Yeah.
1: It's just that if they ate the uh, the second one in their state, they would die.
0: Right. It's not that it was bad; it, it right. would just kill them. We, yeah, we're not. Yeah, that's a whole different. <laughs> that's a whole one, different. One, one was knowledge. One was life. Right. They're both good. Right. But. We weren't. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole different road we could go down there. And we have five minutes, so stop it, Douglas. John John six twenty eight says, uh, and I love this verse. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works, plural, God requires? Jesus answered, the work, singular, of God is this. To believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven. Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, Always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is where we've got to get some of the terminology that we use, and I'm just as guilty as anybody of of trying to have this this hunger and thirst, and I get what we're saying, but we need to understand that there is a holy contentment in Christ that we once we have him, we don't hunger and thirst anymore. The only desire we have now is just, just to be content, and to rest and to know who he is. And from that place, we will begin to see amazing things in our life and in our church and in our families with our friends. There's my mom. <laughs> I guess she had to go. She waved to me. So there is a beautiful truth that says, listen, we're not talking about just, just the manifestation like Moses, that, like this bread of life that fell, the manna that fell from heaven. Don't seek just the evidence of those things. Seek the real, the the reality of it, which is me. I am the bread. He didn't say, do this so that you can get bread. He didn't say the bread was going to be this. He says, no, I am bread. When you have me, you don't thirst and you don't hunger anymore. You are content. You are, and please remember that content is not um, complacent. Like I said earlier, if if knowing God through the reconciled life and death burial, resurrection, and sending of the Holy Spirit of Jesus does not prompt you to action and not get you excited and happy. I don't have anything else for you. <laughs> there is much more that God has to offer to you, but that is between you and Him. And He will give you all of anything that you want. It says if you ask in His name, and, and I want to be careful when we say that, you don't just tack Jesus on to things and think He's like the spiritual vending machine you put a couple quarters in and you get out a Dr. Pepper of prayer uh, answered Prayer is aligning our will to his. Why? Because he knows better than we do. Amen. It's not like he's trying to bend our arm like, ah, oh, do good. He's, he's saying, look, I'm with you, and I will lead you into green pastures. And I will, my rod and my staff, they don't beat you over the head. They comfort you. Why? Because I will defend all of your real enemies. And I will lead you into places of peace, which is in me. So you know how it says, you know, all these, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you? So yeah. I, used to, I used to say, I guess I still say it. So if you look at it, it's like, okay, so if you're seeking God's face, and you're in constant communion with
2: Him, well, of course He's going to give you whatever you want, because you're going to want the things He wants you to have. So that's the key. You've got to be content in Christ
0: and then you really will have everything that everything that you want because you will want what he wants you to have. Right. And what, what you're saying, too, speaks speaks specifically to a trust in a father, because if if it, when we talk about seeking first his kingdom, we're recognizing that same thing that he knows what's best for us. And so when we pray, we sub, and that's another word that, that we get mixed up about submission or like we relinquish power because we don't like to do that amongst humans because we're broken and we'll mess that up. So I get that, but when you have a perfect loving father, I will submit to him all day long, because I know he has my best interest. So when we talk about understanding what this kingdom is in our lives, we see that it has, when, once again, if you think that God is uncontent with you, you will never be content. You have to see that God is content with you, and, and it's not fair, and it's not by your merit or anything that you did. It's because of Jesus that he's content with you, and that. That's it. I mean, that's, that's the thing. That's what should give you life. Yes. What? Oh, Whoa. wow. I one should of, stand one up. of the turners. I'll, I'll share one. Um, the, uh, w- when you're adopted, yeah. all worrying about being adopted is over. All what? All worrying about right. being adopted. So, adoption says, boom, I've arrived at the state that I'm now a son. So, the rest of my time is to enjoy being a son or even like with marriage, once I've gotten married, once I have that covenant, once I've got that established, the rest of my life is enjoying and deepening the enjoyment of that relationship. Um, there was like a, I think it was called the Westminster Catechism that said the chief end of man is to uh, enjoy glorify God and enjoy him forever. Mm-hmm. So. Also, there's that reminds me of something else too, real quick. Is it called Stockholm Syndrome? When people that are in prison are released or, or slaves are, are freed, where the same way when he talks about renewing our mind, it's, that's a good, a good way to look at it from a, a picture. Um, you have to kind of learn to be married. You kind of have to learn to be free. When people come, people have been in prison a long time and they get out, it's, yeah. it's hard for them to reconcile their minds to the reality that they're free. They will, they'll sleep on the floor, right? Or same thing with orphans. They'll hide food in their pockets, right? C- because they don't know if they're gonna get another meal. And it takes a while for their minds to be renewed to the reality that they're sons and daughters or that they're free, right? God, gives me chills to think about that, but that's that's the renewing of the mind. That's not, the, the reality is you're adopted, right? Like when you're adopted, it's forever. You're adopted. But it takes some time to renew your mind to that reality, and that's what you feel when you feel discontent sometimes. You, it's not that, that there is a discontentment between you and God. It's because you're looking back at this dead life that you gave up, and you're thinking, well, that's the way it always was, so that's the way I've got to change the way. Repentance is metanoia, change the way you think. You have to go. Okay, stop looking at the dead life. Stop looking at sin. Stop looking at the ditch. Repent. I'm an heir. I'm a co-heir. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I don't have to hide food in my pocket. I don't have to look in the window. I just tug on daddy. I don't have to beat on the door. Even that scripture talks about beating on the door. That's that's the person that's lost. That represents the person that's lost. You're in that culture, especially the sons would sleep with the father. They'd just pull on his beard and be like, "Daddy, I need some water." You wouldn't have to beat on the door. They're not out. So you're not outside the house. That's the that's the message I'm trying to give you. You're not outside the house. Stop trying to beat on the door to get in a house you're already in. All right.
2: Yes. Um, I'm sorry I wasn't in here for the first part. I was selling the red sofas. So. so also. <laughs> Yay. Uh. Oh, for all of you that know about the red sofas. Anyway, um, (laughs) but you were talking about, you were talking about contentment. I did hear that. And and also about hunger. You know, you're talking about how we as Christians, you know, we do have our own vocabulary. Right. Um, And a lot of times people that come in from the outside are like, well, what does that mean? And I think for me, hunger, when it says, you know, you'll you'll never be hungry again. I think what but for me, I can say personally for me, I hunger for more of God. And I think what I'm trying to say is as I get to know him, I find out really cool things about him and I'm like, "Oh, I want to know more." And I equate that with, right. the only thing I can equate it with right. is hunger. So right. when if you ever hear me say that, I, what I'm saying is, I found out something really cool about God, and because he's like a diamond and full of gazillion facets that I don't know yet, I want to know more of him. And I think that's what Paul was saying, that I may know him. It's right. a continual thing. I don't, I haven't arrived. I'm still learning.
0: Well, listen, it's an intimate thing, too. Exactly. It's, a, it's an intimacy, and that's another word that we've, for whatever reason we've twisted into being more sexualized, but an intimacy is, yeah. is that deep knowing, like knowing who he is, knowing his heart, knowing it's good for yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. And
2: the other one about contentment, I thought about first Timothy 6, 6, because it says godliness with contentment is great gain. Mm-hmm. And one translation says godliness is actually it's a source of great gain when it's accompanied by contentment, which only comes from a sense of inner confidence based on the sufficiency.
0: Of God. Amen. So Amen. And we did I did mention that scripture earlier, so thank you for reiterating. Yes. No, 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 but it's good. We needed to hear it again. So I and the reason why I mentioned I wasn't criticizing anybody for saying certain phrases because I do it too. But I just I had this happen to me yesterday too, and I, I love everyone, but there are there are but there is something that me personally, I'm just I'm just being transparent, as I always am, so y'all can. If it's wrong, it's wrong, and y'all, I'll, I'll metanoia later. All right. So, there is this this terminology thing that I will get around a group of people, and there's there's this one person that knows I'm a pastor, knows I'm a Christian, and they start using all these keywords, and it it just it crawls. And I want to, and I'm I'm also kind of sarcastic and a jerk sometimes. I've got to hold back not from just saying something like just talk normal. <laughs> you don't. Somebody said, I don't know. Um, In the midst of converse, like a casual conversation, somebody mentioned me being a shepherd of a flock. And I know a couple people that don't go to church were with us are thinking, Did he? does he have sheep? <laughs> like, did Justin, like, I know he does, like, the Jeep thing and the videography thing. Is he, like, really, ship, like, bad sheep? Did Justin start being a farmer? And I, there are all these jokes. Yeah. Oh, uh, Australian Shepherd, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could have sheep, but I don't. Okay, <laughs> if we could, hey, you guys pray for us to ever get our land, and I'll buy a sheep. I don't care. I just want some land. February 8th is some new court date for some random guys. Will in Florida that's locked in a lockbox that nobody can get to so we can buy land and maybe have a home one day. So pray for that. That the judge will let us buy our land. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> All right.
2: Shh.
0: Yes. All right. <laughs> 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 anyway, so, yeah, I'm... I'll <laughs> squirrel. Sheep. All right. So... I'm not a she. I'm I am a shepherd, but. Not very good. Dang, that was cold. You're talking about sheep, not you guys. Okay, good. Zero sum game. All right, so. <laughs> if you could, on God, on God, bet. All right, stand up. I'm gonna get ridiculous. You need to. End this, now. Need to end this. this is getting crazy. All right. <laughs> on God. All right. Father, I just thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you um, that we can be content in you. Lord, uh, help us to realize that contentment is not complacency, it's not apathy, that contentment in you should should give us boldness, that your grace is the wind in our sails that says, uh, just like Melissa was saying, I just want people to know you. I just want them to know who you are. I want them to have that intimacy that I have, and I desire that so much that I put aside my own Desires at times. I put aside my own needs at times because there's something greater going on around us, and there is this 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 Holy Spirit that you put, you've placed inside like clay jars. We talk about like Dixie cups, like these these mortal bodies. We walk around with with this Holy Spirit that's within us that we can share with people. Lord, I, I pray that as we go out this week, um, from today on for the rest of the week, Lord, and and every day, Lord, that you just highlight those people that need. Um, to be encouraged, that need to be built up, that need to know you, that need to, to to experience that intimacy, Lord, and help us just to be that for them. We don't, we don't have to know every single scripture in the Bible, although there's much for us to learn in there. We don't have to make it complicated. You made a complicated message simple by saying, all the law and the prophets, hang on this, love God and love the people around you. And those two are the same. You cannot love God without loving people around you because that's his art That same intimacy that we find, where we find contentment in you, we share that with other people and say, look, your circumstances don't define you. Poor, rich, hurt, broken, whatever. None of those things define you. Your contentment is found in Christ and Christ alone. And I've seen it too many times to give you any other gospel, guys. Father, I love you and I praise you. And and for you, we do everything in this place and outside of this place. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right.